Hey guys, welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast, the best way to keep up with the world of professional men's volleyball. Today I'll talk about a couple of highly anticipated matchups, one between Milano and Lube, and another in the Russian League between Zenit St. Petersburg and Zenit Kazan. Talk about any volleyball news that happened this week, and just about the results in general. So you guys know the drill, so I hope you enjoy the podcast. So let's start off the podcast with some quick hitters from around the world of volleyball. Probably the most interesting situation to talk about right now is what's going on in Piacenza. As some of you know, they had an interesting start to the season, firing coach Gardini right off the bat. A little premature, in my opinion, to fire your coach before the season even starts, but they brought in a Perugia veteran Lorenzo Bernardi to coach the team. Not sure if that actually made a difference, but they're still not happy with the results, still have struggled a bit to start with the Italian Super League, although they have looked a bit better the past few games. But they were bringing in, uh, actually they have brought in Italian setter Michelle Baranovic, as I mentioned during the last podcast. However, Vibo Valencia is still blocking that trade. He can't come to the team until November, so not too much longer. But considering that Baranovic is Italian, so they will have another foreigner spot available Piacenza is ready to spend. They were rumored to bring in Kevin LaRue, the starting middle blocker for the French national team. But it seems like the deal that's pretty much done and over with is Sayed Mousavi, the Iranian middle blocker, one of the biggest recipients of Marouf's magic over the last decade, will be moving to Piacenza to use up one of those foreigner spots. This probably means that Alberto Polo is going to the bench. I see, uh, just given how him and Davide Condolaro have played so far, in my opinion, Condolaro is playing the better season right now. It's too bad, though, because both of those guys are pretty strong players in terms of Italian middles. So kind of a waste to see them on the bench, but you see that a lot among the top teams. Fairly good Italian middles uh, sitting on the bench. You saw it happen to Simone Anzani. Last year, you see it happen to uh, Daniele Mazzoni last year as well on Modena. So it happens. And Sejan Musavi was a beast in Poland last year when he played there, especially in terms of attacking and blocking. Maybe not so much serving. His serve uh, definitely left a lot to be desired last year when he played for Olsen in the Polish Plusliga. But it certainly uh, adds another interesting dynamic to Piacenza. You can kind of see... Like, this is a pretty aggressive move. So you can see that there were definitely championship contender aspirations for Piacenza. I mean, I get it. They're spending a lot of money. It's a good team. They have high-profile players, Aaron Russell, your Grosier, these kinds of guys. But in my opinion, they were still definitely a step below Lube Civitanova and Perugia. I don't think they were a real contender against those two guys, and I don't think this move changes anything uh strongly in that direction so uh yeah i I like the move should make things more interesting but i don't see them competing with either of those teams and probably not trentino either although obviously trentino is just a complete mess right now i also feel bad for radel here zulo 
I think he's a better player than what he showed at the start of this season. I think he's still capable of more, even though he is getting a bit older. And you could see in the last game he played against Vibo Valencia that he is he is starting to play a bit better. Unfortunately, also recently reported that he was in the hospital due to, I think, COVID symptoms, although he, he didn't have a positive test. So we'll see who's setting for Piacenza next game. Bartosz Kurek made his first showing in the Japanese V-League, 30 points. I mean, pretty impressive number of points, but if you're not familiar with how the Japanese V-League, or I guess how the uh, Korean, Japanese, Chinese League work in general, especially the Korean League actually in this case, uh, they usually have one foreigner, usually almost always an opposite, sometimes an outside hitter, and they usually like to set them 50 to 60 times per game. So if you ever go and look at the all-time points records for a single game of volleyball, almost all of them are by a foreigner uh, like Gavin Schmidt or Dmitry Mizurski or Thomas Edgar, someone like that in the Korean or Japanese league. Anyway, Bartosz Kurek playing in this league. And given there is a lot of interest in Japanese volleyball at the moment due to the Olympics and Haikyuu and things like that, I'll, I'll go quickly over some of the uh, foreigners playing in the Japanese league. Peter Premovich is the first one, was a uh, opposite for Kion Padova a couple years ago, and I guess is probably the fourth or fifth Serbian opposite behind Atanasevic, uh, Drazen Lubric, Dusan Pekovic, and Bozidar Vucicevic. So uh, pretty competitive for the Serbian opposites there. Not a good position to play if you have any dreams of making a national team. So he's playing for FC Tokyo. We have Thomas Edgar, who if you guys are new to volleyball, was a huge part of the Australian national team in the earlier parts of the decade, especially at the Olympics. A huge guy, seven foot tall, opposite hitter. Really fun to watch play. I'm kind of sad he kind of quit international volleyball early on in his career and really also quit playing in anywhere but Japan fairly early on in his career. Didn't really have a huge uh, Italian, Polish, European club career, which is too bad because he was a really talented player. Probably like one of my more underrated players of this decade for sure. He's playing for the uh, JT Thunders. Lipe, the Brazilian outside hitter. Prize probably know him. Big feature of Brazilian volleyball and all their success over the past few years. He will be playing. He's playing for the JTEC Stings, who also have Yuji Nishida, who is right up there with those foreign opposites, as uh, competing for the league scoring title. Incredibly good player. I mean, he's great to watch in Japan. I, I really hope he does make the trek over to play in one of the European leagues uh, one of these years, though. Australian opposite Curtis Stockton, who was, I think, the third or fourth Australian opposite behind Edgar, Paul Carroll and Lincoln Williams. So yeah, I guess the fourth Australian opposite, maybe third now that Paul Carroll's retired. He is playing on Oita Miyoshi Weise Adler. Definitely didn't say that right. Then on the Osaka Blazers, another uh, kind of under the radar guy who you guys might not know is John Went, who's an opposite for France. Again, kind of has a lot of competition at his position with Jean Patry and Stephen Boyer and also Antoine Rousier was around before that but he had a bit of uh, time in Russia last year 
Played in Turkey, played in Belgium, played in France, obviously. So played for some good clubs. Very athletic player. Uh, if you guys get a chance to watch him play, probably be a bit surprised at why you probably haven't heard of him. But he, but he's quite a good player. Just lots of competition on that French national team. As we saw, like, Yassine Louati a couple of years ago. Nobody really knew who he was because he wasn't a feature on the French national team. But now, because of his club success, and now he is getting a bit of time with the French national team, that... Now a lot more people know who he is. And I kind of expect the same thing to happen for John Went. On the Suntory Sunbirds, we have Dmitry Mazursky, who's really funny to watch play in Japan because he's seven foot two, seven foot three, and he's playing against guys who are like six foot five. So you have a bit of a uh, Wilt Chamberlain playing against uh, 60s basketball players kind of thing going on there. And yeah, Dmitry Mazursky is near the top of the league. I mean, he's slowed down. I think opposite is a good position for him now. Doesn't quite have the foot speed that he used to. And also, I think it's good for him. You know, it is. he's a bit older now. So if he wants to make one last push with Russia in 2021, then it's good that he's playing in Japan to kind of save his body because even though you have to jump 50 to 60 times a game, it's a shorter season and you don't really have to move nearly as much as you would in the middle. The Tory Arrows have Christian Patter, who was relatively unknown as well, mainly was stuck playing in Korea for a few years at the start of his career, and he's a Hungarian, so not really a feature on the international stage either, but did get a bit of recognition last year when he played for Fekel Novi Urengoy, and I'm glad probably no, more people know his name now that he played in Champions League, and he's a very talented player, very physical opposite. Of course, Bartosz Kurek, Dominating in his first game out, looked good in the Wolf Dogs, Nagoya Black. Uh, I love that name, Wolf Dogs. Has to be one of the best names of volleyball, if not the best. And yeah, that's all the foreigners in the Japanese league. Uh, they have a good YouTube channel. If you guys want to go check them out, you can watch the highlights. Full matches on V-League TV. Um, not going to lie, the games probably aren't as interesting as the top European club competitions. The style of play tends to be a bit weird with... That one foreigner getting a huge amount of the sets. The level of defense and skill is pretty high, but yeah, it's it's not really at the level of top European club competitions. And yeah, the lower level teams can, uh, some of the players are not great. So let's move on to the meat and potatoes of the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast, which is the Italian, Russian, and Polish leagues. So the matchup I was looking forward to most in the Italian league was Lubici Fitanova versus Milano. You know, Milano really needs to uh, put up a good fight against a top Italian team if they, if they want to be considered a threat to that top tier of teams. I mean, unfortunately, though, right now, Lube and Perugia are just completely dominating the rest of the league, and that wasn't any different here. Luciano De Ceco put on a masterclass, setting his team to uh, 50% hitting in this one. The offense of Milano really struggled. The service pressure of Lube was really putting them in tough positions. Lube was really going for it against Milano, maybe because they were scared that they actually had a pretty good offense if they were able to run it to, to the best of their ability, get some three passes in. But it didn't really happen in this one, which I mean, Milano's a fairly good reception team. I would say their strongest passer, probably Yuki Ishikawa. And then Steven Marr, Pretty average to slightly above average for the outside hitter position. Maybe Nicola Pesaresi is a better defender than a better uh, passer in this situation. But yeah, 
Milano could not get anything to go down. I mean, Stephen Marr was subbed off at one point. And he was their leading scorer because he was just not finding any way of getting through that big Lube block on the out-of-system balls. Tried to do a few tips, tried to do a few off-speed things, and nothing was really going through. Same thing with Jean Petri, except he was trying to pound the ball, and Lube was just digging everything. So I think this Lube defense is something that I wasn't really expecting as much going into the season, but their block defense has just been ridiculous. And I don't really know what the change is from last season. I mean, last season, their block defense was really strong as well, but I mean, it just seems this year that their blocking is just on point. Maybe it's a coaching thing. Maybe it's a chemistry thing, but definitely an interesting thing to watch from Lube Civitanova. And for Milano, it seems like they're just a tier below the top team. So we'll see how their next match against Piacenza slash Modena goes, because it seems to me that's more going to be their level for this season. Another fun game I watched this weekend was the Saturday Rye Sport game between Piacenza and Vibo Valencia. Piacenza, as I've mentioned before, a team underperforming. And then Vibo Valencia, probably one of the biggest surprises this season, playing really well with a 4-3 record, 4-2 before this game. However, it looked a little undermatched compared to Piacenza in this one. Aaron Russell was scoring really easily against Viva Valencia, as was Jorge Grosier. They ran most of their offense through those two wings, and it was working really well. Made it a little easier for uh, Radel Hirzulo not to have to set the middle as much. They just almost didn't even bother and just went exclusively to the wings. Pretty much just set whoever was closest to him, and, and it worked well. I mean, those guys can score. They're really good players. And Vipo Valencia was not able to really mount a good counterattack. The passing wasn't there really at all. TJ DeFalco struggled a lot in this one. He's had some really good games this season. Looked like a star on one of the better performing Italian Super League teams. And he's also looked pretty terrible. Especially in this one where his passing wasn't great. And his usual kind of mix-up change-up trick the opponent uh, half the time offensive game wasn't quite working was subbed out for Victor Cardoso in the third set who you might remember a couple years ago from the Brazilian national team has slowly been building himself up as one of Brazil's next upcoming outside hitters still looking a bit raw though only hit four for 12 with an air uh, when he was in the game I think I think a few of those hits definitely could have scored but Piacenza was making some pretty good digs. Viva Valencia had to rely a lot on Thibaut Rosard, who made some unreal attacks. A lot of scoring on out-of-system balls. Hit 17 for 29, which, yeah, like I said, even more impressive considering how many of them were out-of-system with no other options, really. Even though Abuba got set 36 times in this one, didn't really feel like he was a huge part of the match. Didn't feel like he was scoring that effectively. It seemed like most of his 15 kills were on single blocks or tools. Weren't really any definitive kills by him. And I think Viva Valencia is definitely at their best when they're able to run through the middle. Bartholomew Chinez, 9 for 11, continues to be absolutely unstoppable. If you give him like a halfway decent set, I think he could even get an even bigger set load. He has a very good connection with David Seda so far this season. And I think that's why Viba Valencia, they're just desperate to get good passing in. 
I mean, with Thibaut Rossard, TJ DeFalco, and Marco Rizzo, not really like an all-star reception lineup. I really like TJ DeFalco, but I think if you were to remake this roster in knowing how good Shannon Yez has, has improved since last year, I think you would probably bring in a better receiving outside hitter than TJ DeFalco because you probably have enough offense uh, without him to do well. Your Grozier was, again, amazing in this one. MVP of the match. Absolutely unstoppable. Had seven aces in the match, and most of those were not even touched by the passer. So we saw some vintage Grozier in this one. Always really fun to see. Again, the question is whether he can pull this together multiple games in a row. Although usually Grozier is like three or four good games in a row and then three like stinkers in a row. So we'll see. Definitely not a fan of the Piacenza libero, though. Leonardo Scanferla. It said he had 50% positive reception in this match, but it, it for sure was lower than that. Missing a lot of easy digs, made some miscommunications. I think it's a bit maybe frustrating, it seems, for the rest of the team, given you know the high level of player that most of these guys are. And Scanferla doesn't really seem like he belongs. Interesting that PHN just spent so much money on all these guys, but I, could, I feel like there's seven or eight better Italian liberos that they could have gone after. And probably the most interesting match of the week, other than the Champions League match, which I'll get to after this. But the Russian League, can't stop talking about it this season because they're all on YouTube, the most accessible high-level league right now. And this week we had Zenit Kazan versus their namesake, Zenit St. Petersburg, a Sunday night match. And honestly, I, I was watching over a lot of the Italian League matches because these are two of the best probably five teams in volleyball right now so definitely some must watch games and it was a three nothing win for Zenit Kazan however it was still a pretty fun match to watch the first set especially was really back and forth Kazan was down 24 to 20 then brought it back and won Mikhailov seems to be very much back to his former self looked like an absolute beast in this one easily finding his way around the block from position two tooling off of everyone even those giant hands of Dmitry Yakovlev and yeah Mikhailov was really going off really looked confident back to his 2019 or 2018-2019 self rather than his outside hitter persona that saw him struggle a little bit I guess just compared to Mikhailov standards last season Zenit St. Petersburg was struggling in reception in this one but I guess that's the price you pay when both your outside hitters are above 6'10". However, Kliuka wasn't just bad in reception in this match. He also really was struggling in serving. Not sure what was going on, but he was going for a float serve. He's generally a uh, spin server. Um, not, And he was actually subbed off to serve uh, in a couple rotations there. So not sure what's going on with that. If they wanted to save his legs, some minor injury. But he was attacking in the front row. So I'm not sure what that was, but something to keep an eye on. Zeneca's on looking good. Bednorz. Looking quite good as well. Same with Irvin Engapet. I'm sure you all know this, but you need to watch Irvin Engapet for his defense. The man makes position six look so easy. Just absorbs so much power from the ball. Gets the ball up to the setter on even like incredibly strong hits. Knows exactly where to stand. Is incredible at anticipating and reading the ball. I think it's definitely the most underrated part of his game. I think more people are kind of understanding that's where a lot of his value comes from, but... Really fun to watch, especially in this game like this one where he's really confident, 
kind of roaming the backcourt. I'm not sure if there's any real like strong game plan to his back row defense. I think he's mostly allowed to do what he wants, but it seems to work really well. And actually, another interesting thing with Engapet is that they tried out one rotation where Voronkov came to block for the setter, and Engapet was basically the setter. They uh, they got the ball back in one of the rotations on a free ball, and Irvin Engabet fully went up to uh, position two and a half and ready to uh, go and jump set the ball. The middles were running. Everyone was running in system offense. It wasn't like, a oh, this guy is just going to set a high ball because we have a blocker in for our setter. No, Irvin Engabet was fully ready to play the setter position in that one rotation. So that was really funny to watch. And yeah, Zenikazan undefeated in the Russian league still. Definitely looking like the strongest team there. Zenit St. Petersburg seems to have the same affliction that Trentino and a lot of these uh, new super teams have, which is that they do take a little while to gel. I mean, there are a lot of new players on Zenit St. Petersburg. Same with Trentino. And in a sport like volleyball, that's such a team sport. Where And especially in terms of the setter and the hitters, the relationship between them, it does take some time for the team to get used to each other. Same thing with Piacenza as well. So even though you may be looking at those teams and be okay, they're not real contenders. They can't beat Zenikazan. They can't beat Perugia. I think there's still a lot of season left to play, still a lot of practices to have. This is why volleyball teams practice so much, even though they don't have games. The rhythm and feel between the setter and the hitters is so important. It takes a long time to develop. So don't count out Zenit St. Petersburg and Trentino just because they're having slow starts. There is still a lot of volleyball left to, to be played. However, there are some question marks with both teams. And yeah, Zenit St. Petersburg, it looks like the reception will be an issue against some of these elite serving teams like Zenit Kazan. Antoine Brizard did a great job, I think, in this one of setting out of system still kept the offense fairly fast paced but you can still see that it is definitely an issue especially when you can't run the middle as much champions league round two pool h is getting underway in switzerland who is allowed to host the tournament because they're the ones most able to due to covid travel restrictions and I've been hyping up this tournament for a long time. I mean, Moscow versus Trentino. I think that was the matchup that everyone was hyping up as soon as the drawing of lots was finished. You saw that they're both in the bottom part of the bracket and they would eventually meet in the second round pools. And I actually just finished watching the game. And I have to say, it was a bit of a, actually a very big disappointment. I mean, Trentino just absolutely crushed Dynamo Moscow on the back of uh, Namir Abdelaziz. Hit 68% for the match, won the match MVP. Trentino just served Moscow out of the building completely. Namir got tons of aces in this one. Dick Kui got tons of aces in this one. Lizanach got a couple aces. Everyone was just firing bombs. And the usual, I mean, Moscow definitely not the strongest receiving team. Uh, they would probably rely more on their uh, blocking than their defense and reception. But man, this was brutal. Sam Derue got subbed out at one point. Wari Kermanen, the finished libero, who's you know, I would consider him one of the top liberos in the world. And they brought him in just basically 
for Champions League. I mean, Moscow isn't playing him in the Russian Super League because they're over the foreigner limit. But Laurie Kermanen got subbed off as well in the third set because he was getting aced tons of times. I mean, especially even when he was in position six uh, as the receiver, he was getting served straight on and getting aced. So I, I don't know what's happening there. You could tell in the third set that Moscow was just completely broken. There was no hope for them coming back. Sam DeRue looked absolutely devastated. You could tell that he was really excited to play Champions League this year. And yeah, I mean, given how Trentino's playing in the Italian Super League where they've really struggled, I, I can't say I was expecting this result, especially after Moscow looked pretty good yesterday, but they were just completely shook by one man. And that man's name is Namir Abdelaziz, who, you know, maybe we've criticized a little bit in the past because Gianelli and Trentino have just relying on him so much. But this is what a good Namir game looks like. He was just absolutely unstoppable, uh, hitting like the Moscow block wasn't even there. And, and they have a really good block. And of course, his usual self from the service line, just putting so much pressure on, so much tension every time he goes back there. And of course, the, the, there was one big issue in this game, which is that Sveden Sokolov was not playing. Oh, why he wasn't playing, we don't know. He didn't play in yesterday's match that Moscow played in as well. So not really sure. We, we all kind of expected that Sveden Sokolov, you know, was just resting yesterday and he would be fine for today's match because he has been playing in the Russian Super League. So not sure what happened there. I'm sure we'll hear something coming out either tonight or tomorrow, about why Sveden Sokolov didn't play. But anyway, disappointing match. I mean, I, I, I have said that this could have been like a Champions League finals match in another year. That's the level of talent that these teams had. But unfortunately uh, for Moscow, Trentino decided to play the best volleyball they've played all season. So as long as Trentino beats Linderin Volley Amersville tomorrow, they will be moving on to the Champions League fourth round where they will be joining a pool with Lokomotiv Novosibirsk, VFB Friedrichshafen, and Chez Karlovarsko. And I would have to say, on paper, Trentino is definitely the strongest out of those teams. Even in the Russian Super League, I'd probably consider Dynamo Moscow a better team than Lokomotiv Novosibirsk this year. So things are looking good for Trentino. I mean, we still don't know exactly what, what even the format's going to be of the Champions League fourth round, but uh, yeah... If they can play like this, they have a definite shot at being a uh, Champions League contender this season. And then finally, in the Plus Liga, not too much going on still, but Yastrebshi Vagil is back. They're out of COVID quarantine and shook off the rust pretty easily with a 3-0 win over Gdansk. Thomas Rousseau is back for Suvaki, even though his compatriot Clevin Klinkenberg did a good job in his absence. And he had 21 points in the win against Rodome, who did not have David Konarski. So things looking good for Suvaki right now, standing at 4-2 early on here in the season. And Rodome, bad loss for them, sitting at 2-5. Still got a few teams below them, so no fear of relegation or anything like that. But their playoff hopes are starting to get a little, little bit smaller. Lots of season left to play, hopefully, but a little smaller. But yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't think Rodome will finish in the playoffs. I think Konarski is probably one of the most overrated volleyball players in Poland, maybe most one of the most overrated opposites in all of volleyball. So I, I didn't see him getting them too far 
because he really is their main offensive option. I didn't see him bringing them too far at the beginning of the season, and I think that's holding true. And it looks like most of the playoff races kind of settled among teams that we thought were going to be there. I guess the exceptions being Xavierci and probably Katowice as well. And also interesting three teams without a win so far in the Plus Liga. Bedzin, not surprising at all. Their roster was horrible, and I wouldn't be surprised if they don't win a game the entire season, even if they do have my boy Rezido now. Uh, Lubin also, not the best roster. Probably could see them winning games throughout the rest of the season. But Stalniasa, the new team in the Polish Plus Liga, I thought was going to be all right this year. I kind of liked a few of their players. Marcin Komenda, the setter. Uh, Bart, Bart Lemanski, the gigantic middle. But it hasn't really come together for them at all so far. I think a lot of that is uh, does fall on Komenda. Finally, we're starting to see Wasim Bentara get a few starts, which I think is the right move for them on at the opposite position. But... Yeah, I, I think it's a little too late for them. One or two more losses here, and they're completely out of the playoff picture. But I, I kind of like, I think if they added a few, a couple more strong foreigners, they could be a decent roster. So hopefully they're able to stay in the Polish Plus Liga for another season and, you know, upgrade the roster with a couple foreigners because you really do need strong foreigners at this stage to compete in the Plus Liga. Anyway, hope you guys enjoyed the 5-1 Volleyball podcast. I haven't forgot about the uh, questions I asked on my Instagram story. Things were a little busy last weekend, so we'll record that one this weekend. Got some good questions, some funny ones, lots to talk about, so look forward to doing that podcast. Unfortunately, it looks like we might have some Italian Superliga matches canceled coming up here. COVID's kind of spreading throughout the league, but... You know, all in all, there should be enough volleyball to watch between Russia, Poland, Italy, a little bit of Champions League as well. So hope you guys watch some good matches this week, and I hope you enjoyed the podcast.